You're listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church, where friends become family. For more information, log on to www.fbcqc.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4 this morning. Acts, the fourth chapter. You may find this hard to believe, but we are today exactly 40 days away from Thanksgiving. You do the math, that means we're not real far away from Christmas. Apparently the retail world has completely forgotten about Thanksgiving. I was, uh, took Addie to the store the other day. Uh, we needed to pick up a few things and uh, I quickly noticed uh, that there are a whole lot of shelves filled with Christmas stuff. Um, we're not going to skip Thanksgiving, are we? Uh, in fact, we are due to uh, host the community Thanksgiving service this year and so uh, we want you to be here for that. It's going to be a great time. We've got a great holiday schedule coming up, uh, just all kinds of good stuff, and uh, stay plugged in. Uh, but with that, the 40 days, um, we are issuing a challenge this morning uh, that goes along with this new series, Going Bold, uh, the Going Bold Challenge. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to give you something to do every day, uh, a challenge, as it were. Uh, today, the challenge is this, to memorize Acts chapter 4, Verse number 13. Memorize Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, now, I will say that we, we dropped the ball just a little bit because uh, we're doing a lot of this through social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, I guess, and those kind of things. And then the thought hit us, we got a lot of folks who don't do any of that stuff. Uh, so what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to put it in good old-fashioned print for you. Uh, and we're, we're more than happy to do that. Uh, and so we're working on that now. But we're going to try to get those things in your hands so that you'll know what the challenge is each day. It'll be something like that. Uh, to give you an example, uh, I think one of the days is to uh, write an encouraging note to someone who has been an encouragement to you. And uh, so something just that simple. Uh, and we want to, uh, to challenge you each day uh, to take bold steps forward uh, for the glory of God. Brand new series, Going Bold. Uh, this actually came about uh, a number of months ago, and uh, that's normally the way God's working in my heart and my life. I'll be in the middle of a series of messages, and then it's like he, he just lays something on my heart that says, this is the direction we're going next. Uh, I was reading in the, in the book of Acts here, and I, I was amazed at, at the number of times that I saw the word boldness. And it was as if those words just jumped off the page at me. Uh, the first one here in Acts chapter 4 is actually found in verse 13. That's our text for this morning. And so if you want to uh, look there with me, Acts chapter 4, verse number 13. You're familiar, I'm sure, with this section of Scripture. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized, this is key, that they had been with Jesus. Let me read that again. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Underline, highlight, circle the word boldness there in verse number 13. If you move your eyes down the page to verse number 29, you'll notice it says there, Now look. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. There it is again, that word boldness. You look down a couple of verses to verse number 31. 
And it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Going bold. You know, people are are bold about a lot of things today. Saturdays during this time of the year is is filled and, and, and seems like our world is consumed with college football. I mean, college game day starts early on Saturday morning there at some location. If you've ever watched that show on ESPN, College Game Day is a... It's, a, it's kind of a, a commentary type show. They've got so-called experts sitting on this, uh, you know, sitting on the panel at the desk there and everything. And, and behind them every week are just crazed fans. I mean, they've got big signs and they've got big pictures and they've made big posters and all of these different things. They have painted their faces. They're just absolutely crazy about their team. And they're at a particular location every week where there's going to be supposedly a big game. It's a game that that the college football world has been anticipating for a number of weeks. And as the season moves along, it could have implications as to who wins a national championship or who gets a a, a bowl berth or, you know, all of these different things. And so, but you see these crazy fans. I mean, they're cheering and they're they're, they're loud and they've gotten up early that morning uh, to be on the set there and to be a part of college game day. It's just a big deal if college game day shows up at your campus. They're going bold. During the holiday season, when when the sales start coming out and it's black, I mean, you you see people uh, shopping and they will go bold. I mean, they are going bold. Every year, it seems it gets crazier and crazier. We see reports of people literally breaking down doors and and trampling people, injuring people, hurting people uh, to get some, some towels. Or, you know, whatever the, the item is that they want, they are going bold, man. I'm going after it. I got to get it. Taking bold steps. Boldness it just kind of yells action, doesn't it? I mean, you don't ever hear anybody say, you know, today I think I'm going to go home and I am going to boldly take a nap. It just doesn't sound right. You don't, you don't boldly take a nap. That's something that you kind of passively do, right? I mean, if you're watching a sporting event and they pan across and they show the guy sitting on the bench, they'll go, well, well, look, so-and-so sitting there, he's boldly sitting on the bench. That's something that you passively do. Boldness says action. Boldness says, I'm moving forward. Now, please understand what we are not talking about when we're saying going bold. It's not to be confused with going bald, okay? We're not talking about going bald. It's going bold, okay? We are not talking about being obnoxious. Some people can go bold. Some people are like, we would say, they're in your face. They're in your space. It, they're just obnoxious. I don't, I don't think God intends for his people to be obnoxious to the point that we're a turnoff to people. However, I, I would venture to say that few of us have even come close to that line. Few of us have actually come close to being so bold and, and, and so straightforward and so courageous in, in our walk with the Lord and in our witness for the Lord that, that, that we've offended somebody. Doesn't happen very often. So we're talking about action. We're talking about going bold for God. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take the entire fourth chapter of Acts and we're going to build a biblical definition of boldness. What does boldness look like? Certainly your minds now, you're already thinking about some individuals in Scripture who indicated and and demonstrated a great deal of boldness. I think of Daniel. Daniel who ended up in the lion's den. I mean, how bold is that? 
to stand for, uh, for God in, in spite of adversity. In fact, you'll find that many times when boldness is found in Scripture, in fact, most of the time, it's in the face of adversity or in the face of opposition. Boldness. Uh, we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children who were thrown into the fiery furnace. Boldness. I mean, t- taking a bold step. Uh, this morning, I think of David. Young David, who, who was sent by his father to, uh, to take some supplies and to check on his brothers at the battlefront. And of course, he, he comes up on the scene and there's, there's this crazy Philistine Goliath, this giant of a man. And he's spitting out cursings and, and, and all these vile things toward the people of Israel. And, and they're, they're all hiding in the bushes, essentially, doing anything but being bold, right? Little David says, well, what is this? Is, is there not a cause? He was basically saying, is there not a great cause here for boldness? Isn't it time for somebody to step forward? Isn't it time for somebody to take a bold step here? I'll go. I mean, even the king himself, who should have been the the mightiest of of, of the warriors, he wasn't willing to go. He was willing to give up his armor and and to give to David. Of course, that didn't work. So what did David do? He went in the power of the Lord. You know, the rest of the story, he slew Goliath, won a great victory for the people of Israel there. One of the keys as we, as we formulate this, uh, this definition this morning is that you have to make certain that you are on the right path before you go bold. Before you go bold. Got to make sure you're on the right path. Are you heading in the right direction? Because here's the deal. It doesn't matter how many bold steps you take. If you're on the wrong path, you're going to be boldly going in the wrong direction. I mean, if you are on the road to destruction, and the Bible says essentially that there are two roads. There's a broad road that leads to destruction, and there are a lot of people on it. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to know. A lot of the people in our world today are, are just bent on destruction. I'm, they're heading toward destruction. Living lives filled with themselves with no regard for for God or the things of God or their eternal destiny. And so they are every day taking bold steps in the direction of destruction. you got to make certain that you're on the right path before you take uh, the kind of bold steps that we're going to be talking about in this series of messages. Are you on the right path? By that, I'm simply asking this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Have you placed your faith and trust in Christ? We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about, are you a religious person? I had a conversation with a guy Thursday at a graveside service up in Winthrop, Arkansas. And he, uh, he said, man, I just really appreciate your message and the way that you presented the message this morning. He's, you know, he goes, I- I'm not an organized religion person. And I think it shocked him when I turned and I said this to him. I said, you know, Jesus wasn't either. He's kind of like, what? what? I was like, no, Jesus wasn't either. Jesus was not into organized religion. In fact, you'll find if you study the life of Jesus that, that, that the people he had problems with the most were those in organized religion. So we're, this path we're talking about is not one of just organized religion. Is my name on a church roll? Do I attend church services? Do I do religious things? Do I do nice things? We're talking about you being in a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That means you've come to a place where you recognize, you realize, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I can't be good enough. But you also know and understand that Jesus Christ died in your place. He paid a price you could never pay. He took the fall, as we say, for you and for me. He took responsibility for our sin. 
That's why the Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the great exchange. If you've taken that step of faith, and it's a bold step of faith. I remember uh, the, the day I got saved, the evening I got saved. It was actually at a Thanksgiving Eve service. And I remember falling under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and coming to, to know and understand and seeing it just as clearly as I'm standing before you today. I, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I, I've never taken that step. And I can remember it being very hard. In fact, I can remember myself just gripping the pew in front of me. I mean, to the point that, like, like we say, my knuckles were turning white. And I finally let go of that pew and I finally took that step. I, I wasn't sitting very far back and I walked down the aisle and I came and I, I knelt with my dad right down here at the front pew in our church in Garland, Texas. And it was there that my dad opened the, the word of God and he shared with me scripture, some that I was familiar with, some I wasn't familiar with. And I prayed that night to receive Christ as my Savior and my Lord. It was on that evening that I made certain I was on the right path. You see, the Bible says there's a broad path that leads to destruction. There's a narrow path that leads to life everlasting. Few there be that find it. Before you can take bold steps for God, you've got to make certain that you are on the right path. Make certain you're on the right path. Now, let's build our definition today. All right, you've got some uh, blanks there on the back of your worship guide. If you like to take notes, this is a good time to do that. I want you to notice from Acts chapter 4, going bold... It's first an unashamed commitment to Christ. An unashamed commitment to Christ. If you, if you know the context of Acts chapter 4 here, in fact, let's just go ahead and read uh, down through verse number 13 so that we can pick up the context and you can kind of know what's happening here. It says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them. Here are the organized religion people, Okay. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. Now this is not laid hands on them as to, you know, we're praying for you. We're, no, no, no. They, they laid hands on them and, and they put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. That's a pretty amazing altar call, wouldn't you say? I mean, what an amazing thing God is doing here. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, okay, bring in the reinforcements, bring in the religious people, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, John, and Alexander, as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then you'll notice this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived uh, that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Would to God that people would be able to see in us that we've been with Jesus? That we've been with Jesus? It should make a profound difference in our lives. 
made a difference in the lives of these guys. Peter and John here particularly being used by God in this context. And, and I mean, and, and, and it wasn't their words of wisdom. It wasn't like, boy, what a great orator this guy is. Man, did you hear those amazing, uh, the way he put words together. He's such a, man, it's a, you know, it was, it was apparently very obvious that they were uneducated and untrained. But it was also very obvious that they spoke with boldness. And it was also obvious that they had been with Jesus. That they'd been with Jesus. So we're talking about an unashamed commitment to Christ. These guys weren't ashamed in their commitment to Christ, were they? Mm-mm. We're not ashamed. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. It's the power of God. To say, both Jew and Greek, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, we might like to think that we're not ashamed, but what does it say when we have an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and instead of taking that bold step and, and going ahead and sharing the good news of the gospel, we say, well, but they, I, don't, I don't want anybody here at Walmart to think I'm a Jesus freak or anything. That's hardly a bold step. In fact, that's retreating from an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. It's not just in witnessing. Now, through the course of this series of messages, we're going to be talking about taking bold steps in a lot of different areas of our lives. Because here's the deal. We like to think a lot of times that it's kind of like multiple choice pick and choose. These things are optional. And so, let's say if there are 10 areas in which God demands wholehearted, bold commitment, how about if I pick 7 of the 10? That'd be pretty good, right? Seven out of the ten? We like to call Jesus Lord, but only to a point. I mean, I'm only willing to go so far with God. I want Him as my Savior. Not certain I want Him as my Lord. Or, or if, if I do want Him as my Lord, not Not completely. How about, how about if I go 8 out of 10? 8 out of 10 would be good, right? No, no. The, 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 the call of Scripture is, hey, give me everything. All in, man. All in. You know, during certain seasons of the year, especially like now, it's um, baseball playoffs. Now it's down to two teams, right? Two teams. You've got the Red Sox and uh, you've got the, the St. Louis Cardinals. going to be in the World Series, all right? Two Texarkana boys going to be represented in the World Series this year. How about old Michael Waka? Man, he can, he can throw a baseball, right? And you got Will Middlebrooks, who plays third base for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, two Texarkana kids. Um, and so during, during the World Series, I'll just be honest with you, I don't really care who wins. I really don't care who wins. I, I don't have, of, of those two teams, I really don't have a favorite. I, I'm not a, a Boston Red Sox fan. I'm not a Cardinals fan. I mean, if I just had, if somebody just nailed me down and said, you have to pick one, I guess I'd pick the Red Sox over the Cardinals just because the Cardinals beat the Rangers in the World Series. And, you know, but apart from that, I mean, I, I'm really, I'm just kind of ambivalent. You know, it doesn't really matter. I, I enjoy watching a good baseball game. That's great. I enjoy watching a great pitching performance. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy watching the game. But, but it's not like I'm fully invested. You know, in fact, if I miss a couple of the games of the World Series... Oh, well. I mean, I'll catch it later. I'll look at it on Score Center. I'll see, you know, one of my boys will tell me, Dad, you see that hit? Yeah, that big poppy, man, he took one out, you know. But, 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 but. And, and they made it twice. 
But if my Rangers were in the World Series, it's a different story, right? There's no doubt who I'm cheering for. If the Rangers are in the game, I'm cheering for the Rangers. That's my team, man. I'm all in, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's who I'm cheering for. You know, that's the way a lot of people are when it comes to Christianity. There's a lot of people who, who are going to, you know, they're, they're, they're into Christianity about like I'm going to be into the World Series this year. Yeah, I'm a fan of the game. I can appreciate good play and good players and come from behind victories and walk-offs and all those kind of things that are associated with the game of baseball. And I, yeah, because I'm a fan of baseball, I, you know, I'll enjoy But you're not going to see me on the edge of my seat going, come on, hit the ball, man. I mean, you're not going to see that. Come on, strike him out. Now, I, I, I may or may not do those kind of things when I'm watching the Rangers, okay? I, I, I'm more inv- I'm, I'm all in. And that's what, that's what the Lord Jesus requires and demands of us, that we be all in. You can't be ambivalent. You can't be wishy-washy. It's not, well, I, yeah. It's an unashamed commitment to Christ. Unashamed commitment to Christ. Like these guys, they were unashamed in their commitment to Christ. And, and make no mistake, it's not just an unashamed commitment to religion or an unashamed commitment to my church or an unashamed commitment to... The, it's an unashamed commitment to Christ. Some of you this morning, it may be time that you take a bold step of faith to Christ. Come to Christ. You've never placed your faith and trust in Him. You're not certain you're on the right path even. An unashamed commitment to Christ. Let's continue to build our definition. Number two resulting in radical obedience. It's an unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience. How many of you know there's a huge difference in the Christian life between being a fan of Jesus Christ and being a follower of Jesus Christ? There's a lot of fans of Jesus today. Uh, you, you go to the average person, especially here in, in what we call the Bible Belt, Cass County. You approach them at Walmart or wherever you might be and say, Hey, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, man, I'm all about JC. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jesus. Uh-huh. I'm, I, lo- I like Jesus. They're just a fan. Just a fan many times. A lot of people are a fan of Jesus. Few people are a truly committed, all-in follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you go on and ask him, hey, if you think so much of Jesus, tell me how he's changed your life. Tell me what a difference he's made in, in, in where you spend your Friday and Saturday nights. T- t- tell me what a difference he's made in your marriage, in your relationships. Tell, t- go ahead and tell me about the difference. Yeah, then things get real quiet. Just a, fan, just a fan of Jesus, not necessarily a follower of Jesus. When we're talking about going bold, we're talking about an unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience. Now, when I say radical obedience, I, I'm talking about taking bold steps to do the things that God says in His Word that we should do, whether we like it or not. When it's difficult, it may be in the face of opposition, like for Peter and John here in Acts chapter 4. I mean, they laid, whole, laid hands on them. They, they, they imprisoned them. They, 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 these were adverse circumstances. We've hardly known that in our world. A few of us have really and truly had to take a bold stand for Jesus Christ in this world in the face of, I mean, outright opposition. few of us. Oh, you may have had the door shut in your face a time or two if you were out witnessing or something of that nature. You may have had somebody, t- you know. But, but few of us know what it is to really take a bold step for God. 
in the face of opposition like these guys. And so we're talking about a, a, an unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience. Radical obedience in every area of our lives. So again, this is not pick and choose. This is not, hey, hey tr- try to at least make a passing grade, do the best. No, it's, it's all in. It's yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. You think, you think about what an oxymoron it is to say no, Lord? No, Lord? That doesn't make sense, does it? In the life of a Christian. To say no, Lord. To say no to his demands. To say no to his commands. To say no to his precepts and his principles that we find in his word. No, Lord? No, those two don't add up. It's yes, Lord, yes. Yes, yes, Lord. An unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience. Here's the third part of it. Without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Now this is where, as we sometimes uh, would say, where we separate the men from the boys. This is where we separate the contenders from the pretenders. This is where we really separate the fans from the followers. This is where we find out who is really all in for Jesus Christ. This is that line in the sand, as it were. See, many of us are willing to take supposedly bold steps for Christ as long as I can still be comfortable and it's convenient. Some of you in recent days have been convicted about taking a bold step in a particular area of your Christian life. And you've thought to yourself, you know, I really need to do that. I really ought to do that. I I know I really need to to serve here. I really need to be involved there. I really need to give here. I really need to... to... But my schedule, it just... It's really inconvenient. And, and oh, if I, if I was to do that, ooh, that just that kind of takes me out of my comfort zone, you know? I, I've, I've never done that before. Never done that before. An unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. So there's our definition. Go ahead and throw that next slide up there. That's it. Going bold is an unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Okay, that's going to be the foundation for this series of messages. That's the definition we're going to be working with. My hope and prayer is by the time we finish this series, you'll have that definition memorized. It'll become a part of your DNA so that every day... Whenever you're faced with a decision, whenever you've got to decide, am I going to draw that line in the sand? Am I going to take that bold step? You can can go back and revisit that definition and say, okay, am, am I willing to make an unashamed commitment to Christ that results in radical obedience without regard for my personal comfort or convenience? Am I really all in for Jesus Christ? Maybe this morning that you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm, I'm already going bold. I mean... I do this, 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 and this, and I, I've quit doing this and quit doing that and quit doing this, and I, 
I've made you know, and, and that's all, and that's what the Christian life is. It's again, it's every day. It's it's taking off the old and putting on the new, and all those things that we've talked about through the through the identity series. But I want to do a little diagnosis this morning. And if you go to your doctor and and you, and you got something wrong, one of the first things they're going to they're do a diagnosis. I mean, they're going to start with the basics and. And they're going to move forward. And if necessary, they're going to do some advanced testing. And, and if necessary, they're going to do even more advanced testing. And they're going to draw blood. And they're going to do all these different things. What they're doing is a diagnosis. They're trying to discern and determine what the problem is. They're going to ask you about symptoms. What kind of symptoms are you having? And they're going to try to, based upon the symptoms that you're having, they go, okay, well, you know, if you come in and you say, well, I've just got this green stuff, it just keeps falling out of my note, and I just keep hacking this up. Well, let's take a look at your foot. You might need to get a new doctor right there, okay? All right, they're going to take all this information, and sometimes they've got to gather more information and more information. Some of you have been down that road of one test after another, just one test after another. That's all about diagnosis. And sometimes we call that a physical, all right? If you just go in for a, an ordinary checkup, you might get a physical. When I played college basketball, I had to have an extensive physical. Well, this morning, let's, let's do a little diagnosis. Let's, let's do a spiritual, all right? I want to very quickly give you 10 things. And these are not really questions. These are, I guess, really statements that will help you know if you need to go bold, all right? Is this really for you? Is this series for you? Or can you just check out for the next six, eight weeks? I need to go bold. When prayer ceases to be a vital part of my life as a professing Christian. I need to go bold when prayer ceases to be a vital part of my life as a professing Christian. So what we're saying there is if prayer for you is really just a thing of convenience, like if you need something, you, you know, pull the, if, if prayer for you is just something that, that, that if you get around to it, if you can fit it into your schedule, you might spend a little time in prayer. But it, if it has ceased to be a vital part of your life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a professing Christian, then you need to go bold in that area of your life. You need to take a bold step of obedience in that direction. Now, this isn't an all-inclusive list, but I hope it'll help you understand the direction we're going here. Number two, I need, to be, I need to go bold. I need to go bold when the quest for biblical truth ceases and I become content with the knowledge of Scripture that I have already attained. Do you hunger and thirst for the things of God? Or have you grown content and complacent? with the level of biblical knowledge that you've reached. If your quest for biblical truth has ceased and you become content with your knowledge of Scripture and where you are right now, you need to go bold. Number three, when earnest thoughts about the reality of eternity and the spiritual condition of those around me ceases to move me to action. I need to go bold. It's time to go bold. When earnest thoughts about the reality of eternity and the spiritual condition of those around you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, those with whom you associate, those with whom you cross paths at, at Walmart and at the dollar store and wherever you might be, if you rarely, if ever, give thought as to their eternal destiny, 
if those thoughts rarely, if ever, move you to action, then you need to go bold. You need to go bold. Number four, when I do not rejoice in the blessings of God on others, but struggle secretly with envy and resentment, you need to go bold. When I do not rejoice in the blessings of God on others, but struggle secretly with envy and resentment, it's time to go bold. Number five, when aspirations of Christ-like holiness cease to dominate my life and my thinking, you need to go bold. I need to go bold. When aspirations of Christ-like holiness cease to dominate my life and my thinking, If you have neatly compartmentalized your life between the secular and the sacred, and there are certain days of the week that you're not so much all in, eh, but other days that you feel like, man, I'm all in, it's Sunday, going to church day, it's Wednesday, it's whatever. There's a pretty good chance that you are not consumed, your life is not dominated with a desire for Christ-like holiness. And if that's the case, you need to go bold. Number six, when I can hear the Lord's name used in vain, when I can listen to to spiritual things mocked and eternal issues flippantly treated and not be moved to indignation, you need to go bold. If your TV viewing habits have moved further and further and further away from those kinds of things that would please and honor and glorify Christ, you need to go bold. You need to boldly change the channel. You need to boldly turn it off. If you find yourselves at certain times and at certain periods and in certain crowds laughing at vile forms of humor... If you find yourself rarely if ever moved to a point of of righteous indignation whenever you hear your Lord's name trampled and spit upon, you need to go bold. You need to go bold. It's time for you to quit playing games. You're not all in. No more incognito. No more camo Christianity. Number seven. When I can watch degrading movies and television and read morally inappropriate literature and not be deeply grieved in my heart, you need to go bold. You need to go bold. You say, but, but, it's, but it's, I mean, it's like, it's, it's one of the best shows on NBC. If you find yourself adjusting your schedule so that you can get home and watch stuff like Desperate Housewives and, and junk like that, you need to go bold for Christ. You need to take a bold step of obedience. It's an unashamed commitment to Christ, resulting in radical obedience, without regard for personal convenience or comfort. You need to go bold. Number eight, when I find more delight in the promotion of discord than in working for unity and harmony among the Lord's people, you need to go bold. If you're a busybody, you need to go bold. A girl that I went to college with, uh, she's an attorney up in uh, Pittsburgh. She posted something this week on Facebook. I shared it with the Gideons this morning at Gideon's breakfast. And, 
and I don't want you ladies to take offense to this, but it said some ladies need to use glue stick instead of lipstick. <laughs> it, that's true for us men as well, all right? You sure don't need to use lipstick, and uh, it m- might be a good idea to use glue stick occasionally. There's times we just need to keep our mouth shut. But if you find yourself running to the scuttlebutt, if you find yourself drawn to the gossip, if you find yourself drawn to the disharmony and and all the stuff that keeps things stirred up, you need to go bold. God has a lot of serious things to say about those who sow discord among the brethren. And in case you're thinking, Brother Mike, what's going on now at First Baptist Queen City? I don't know. I, I, I can say that with a clear conscience today, all right? I just know it's true. Number nine, when injustice and human misery exist all around me and I do little or nothing to relieve it, I need to go bold. When injustice and human misery exist all around me and I do little or nothing to relieve it, I need to go bold. Finally, number 10. When the best days of my spiritual journey are a distant memory, I need to go bold. When the best days of your Christian journey and your Christian walk are a distant memory, they are way back there in the rearview mirror. If you find yourself consistently saying, well, I used to, or back in the day, or there was a time when... If, 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 if your best days, the best days of your Christian walk are a distant memory, you need to go bold. Because what that tells me is you've grown cold and complacent. You've kind of settled in. You're living on past victories and past accomplishments and past obedience. It's time to go bold. Going bold is an unashamed commitment to Christ resulting in radical obedience without regard for personal comfort or convenience. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, I'm going to very simply ask you to do one thing today. I'm going to ask you to pray. And in your prayer, ask God by His Holy Spirit and His Word to show you any area of your life or areas of your life where you need to go bold. i got a pretty good idea that God will be faithful to highlight, to spotlight, to show us various areas of our lives where we need to go bold. For most of us, it's more than just one or two areas. Where do you need to go bold? What bold step do you need to take? For for you, is it that bold step of faith to Christ? Is it for you to finally say, I can't save myself? And so I fully and completely trust Jesus Christ and His finished work at Calvary on my behalf? I'm taking that bold step of faith. For some, you need to take a bold step of obedience. Maybe you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, but you've never made that decision public. You've never followed the Lord and given testimony to your faith in believer's baptism. And so for you, it's a, it's a bold step of obedience. Maybe it's your witness. 
You can't remember the last time you shared your faith with someone. Maybe it's in your giving. And maybe some here today who finally, once and for all, need to take a bold step of obedience and just start with the tithe. Just start with it. We're not legalistic about that here, but it's a starting point. You say, but Pastor, you have no idea. How in the world could we possibly live off of 90% of our income? If we gave 10% of our income to God, there's no way. Is it a matter of personal comfort or convenience? Or are you willing to take that bold step? It's a step of faith. God says in that particular area, He says, put me to the test. Try me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and bless you immensely in ways that you could never imagine. Maybe it's in your prayer life. Maybe maybe it's in your love, your hunger, your thirst for, for the Word of God. What are those areas where you need to take a a bold step of faith? A bold step of obedience? Where do you need to go bold? Will you take the going bold challenge? This is a time of decision, a time of commitment. God's speaking to your heart, working in your life. Take that bold step. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, for how it, how it challenges and convicts us. Lord, we thank you for example after example after example of individuals who took bold steps of faith, bold steps of obedience for you. Lord, help us as individual Christians to go bold. Help us as a church family to go bold. so that you might receive all the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us anytime you're near. We're located at 206 Marietta Street, Queen City, Texas. Visit us online at fbcqc.org.